The Hokies hold on for a win at Louisville, while UVA upsets North Carolina. Liberty can prove its undefeated start is for real when it visits Virginia Tech this weekend, and the Hokies' new defensive coordinator, 11 months after getting the job, finally speaks to the media. Game of the year will happen in the ACC without one of its best players. All that and more this week on Teal and Barber. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Teal and Barber, Richmond Times Dispatch and Richmond.com's Virginia Tech, UVA and ACC Sports Podcast. I'm Mike Barber, ACC beat writer for the paper and here joining me as always my co-host, the 13-time sports writer of the year and the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, Mr. David Teal. David, how are you? Good morning, Mike. Get any sleep last night? I did not. You know, I, I tried to get sleep in anticipation of recording this show, and I got myself into bed just before 3 a.m., and just after 3 a.m., the baby started crying and, <laughs> and needed me. So the timing couldn't have been worse. But uh, I, I am energized to talk about sports. I'm energized to talk about uh, and, and think about something other than politics this morning. And let's start with Halloween. David, how was Halloween for your family? I was in Louisville, so <laughs> I, did, I did not get to participate this year. Uh, Jill and Tiny Teal went out in the neighborhood, and I believe there's about a year's worth of chocolate in my house right now. <laughs> well, I, I knew you were in Louisville, but the reason I brought it up, I noticed Tiny Teal's costume, and it was the same as my daughter's costume. I thought that was kind of fun. They were I, I have not watched the show, but they were both Ladybug um uh, a superhero with cat noir in a in a French converted cartoon. David, have you watched the show? Countless times. <laughs> yes, uh, Hawk Moth, and he, he's the villain. And I can't believe you haven't watched any episodes, dude. <laughs> and, and each one, you'll be shocked to know, is exactly the same as the other. <laughs> I do love that about children's programming. There's a formula. They go with it. They stick with it. So maybe maybe I'll give this one a chance. Uh, you know, it's funny. My, my daughter had started the week. We had a Lego Batman costume. I was Batman. The, the baby was Robin. My wife was uh, Catwoman. And then on Tuesday or Wednesday, Amelia came in. My daughter came in and she said, actually, my best friend's going to be Cat Noir and I want to be uh, ladybug. So thank, very thankful for Amazon and their, and their two day delivery because oh, yeah. we, we were able to quickly change gears and, um, we, we didn't exactly match as a family, but Hey, uh, the kids have been through a lot this year and <laughs> giving them the chance to, to wear the costumes they wanted, I thought was important. Darn right. Well, David, before we get into the games and, and what happened on the field, I wanted to start here. We finally, 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 finally got to speak with Virginia Tech's new, I guess he's still new, defensive coordinator, Justin Hamilton. Hamilton was named Bud Foster's successor back in December, nearly 11 months ago. And Tuesday, for the first time, he spoke with the local media. David, I came away really impressed with Justin Hamilton. I just came away um, kind of floored by how eloquent he was, how insightful he was, how honest he was, how personable he was. Um, I don't know why they were hiding this guy. David, what did you think? Mike, I couldn't agree more. And the word or the phrase that came to my mind was he was so comfortable yeah. talking with us, comfortable in his own skin. I mean, th this is a guy who is succeeding an icon in Bud Foster. And, and we won't know for 
years what kind of coach Justin Hamilton really is. But clearly the position and what comes with it in the presence, you can tell, number one, why Bud Foster recommended him for the job, and number two, why Justin Fuente appointed him to the job. I mean, he you're right. He is a very impressive guy, and I was not surprised. Several people inside the Virginia Tech Athletic Department have said to me privately, wait till you get a chance to talk to him. (laughs) No, because they just said this guy is such an ambassador for the school and the program. And to me, that shined through yesterday in his session with us. Absolutely. And, and the reason I was chuckling was I, I did a, a lengthy feature on him over the summer. I, I retweeted it in case people wanted to revisit, but um, about his rapid rise. You know, he started off as a strength coach at an NAIA school, a job that he essentially had to beg for. And um, the reason I laughed with what you just said was everybody I interviewed for that story, they all had the same tale. It was like, ah, okay, we'll, we'll give the guy an interview. We'll talk to him. We'll see what he's all about. And then when they talked to him, they were blown away. And they were captivated and they were sold. And it's how he's gotten every position as he's moved up so quickly. Uh, Obviously, he's been successful on the field. Obviously, he's had a good rapport with the players. The players were excited that he got this position. Uh, Now, he has had a very unusual start to his tenure. He, He missed the first two games of the season, testing positive for COVID. The week before, he had a baby son born. Then he comes back and... And his first game to actually call the defense, he gets to face one of the best offenses, most explosive offenses in the ACC in North Carolina. Now, the Tar Heels dropped 56 on Hamilton in his debut. Uh, He talked about that and and how he viewed that result. It was difficult. It was a challenge. But I looked at it as you've got to own it. And we've got to take, after the fact, we took our lumps. So I, I took it as an opportunity to be a stand-up guy and to get in front of our team and to get in front of whoever I had to get in front of and say, this is what happened. Here's how we correct. And we got to go do that. And with our coaches and our players, I was very proud of them, the way we responded the following week against BC. Now, David, I don't say this often. I thought that was a perfect answer. <laughs> uh, what, what do you think about the way he viewed um, kind of what we, I think, were all framing as a downer for his debut? Well, a, a, a downer, Mike, but let's not forget, essentially, Virginia Tech had no safeties <laughs> yep. in, in that game. And, you know, it, 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 at one point, they're, they're, they're drawing up plays to move a linebacker to safety. I mean, they're drawing it up on the sideline, literally in the dirt. What did, what did Justin Fuente call it? Eighth grade football. That's that's what they were relegated to, but yeah, I I agree. He he owned it, and th- that's what you have to do. Yeah, and I enjoyed. You know, I put this in the story I wrote on him that that posted uh, yesterday. But um, a graduate assistant, Matt Cardulis, described what they had to work with defensively. Um, said it was like ordering off the dollar menu for McDonald's. Yeah. Like yeah. you got limited options. What are you going to do? But I was impressed with the fact that that wasn't. Hamilton's answer. He didn't say, hey, we didn't have any safeties. It's a bad matchup. You know, we've been dealing. He said, hey, this is what we had. This was our assignment. We didn't get it done. Here's why we didn't get it done. How? Here's how we're going to get it done next time. And you got the vibe when he was answering that question that that was maybe not verbatim, but, but pretty close to what he told his guys. Like, mm-hmm. hey, this was our task. We failed. That's on me a little bit. You know, it's on all of us. And this is how we're going to correct it next time. And 
you know, they they were better the next time out. Boston College, they only gave up 14 points. They gave up a lot of yards. But again, it's such an odd year. It, it seems to me that this is one of those years where more than ever, we're going to grade defenses on, on complimentary football. Do you give up less than your offense scores? If yeah. you did, here's your merit badge and let's go yeah. on to the next week. David, what have you seen from this Justin Hamilton defense? Well, I think we've seen a little bit of everything. And you, you, you mentioned the, the BC game win 40 to 14 and BC turned it over gosh I believe it was five times twice on its on, on both on its first two possessions just fumbles uh, that they essentially handed to the Hokies in the midst of, of drives so that certainly helped then the following week you know they got pushed around a little bit in in the loss at Wake Forest and then what really stood out, at Louisville the other day were the two big touchdowns. And that, you know, the 90 yard run in the last play of the first half by JV and Hawkins. And then in the second half, the 82 yard touchdown pass from Malik Cunningham to Des Fitzpatrick. The first game, at least since 1987, that's as far back as Virginia Tech's stat database goes. First time the Hokies have ever given up two 80 plus yard touchdown plays in the same game. Hmm. Yeah, now Louisville will do that to some people, but um, it is a little bit of a red flag. And, you know, Virginia Tech, though, they're expecting or hoping, I guess we should use the word hoping at this point, to get Jermaine Waller, the very mm-hmm. talented cornerback. That should help things. And, and that also brings us neatly to this week's Take It or Leave It. Thank you, Mike. It is Take It or Leave It. And let's continue talking about Virginia Tech's defense. The Hokies are on the verge of putting it all together and being pretty good on that side of the ball, take it or leave it. Let's start with David. Well, Dean, since you phrased it as being pretty good, I'll go ahead and take it. I, I, I would have left it had it been really good or exceptional. But as, as, as Mike mentioned, I, I think getting Jermaine Waller back at corner will really help. Deshaun Crawford seems to be rounding into shape a little bit at defensive tackle. Amari Barno's getting more comfortable with his hand in the dirt at defensive end. So yeah, I got. I think they've got a pretty good chance of being pretty good. <laughs> okay, Mike, take it or leave it. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to take it one step further. I think they have a chance to be better than that for all the reasons David just said. And when I think about getting Crawford back, I don't just think about what Deshaun Crawford does. He's a very good player. He's going to have an impact. But that just makes all the other defensive tackles better. That makes that rotation better because that's what Tech's been doing. I mean, they've, they've been doing it almost like a hockey team, you know, line changing their their defensive front. Um, and to be full strength there with Barno emerging, uh, with Crawford back, with Norrell Pollard, with Mario Kendrick, with Jared Hewitt, who we know what he can do when, when he's on the field – to have that rotation, uh, I just think that that unit, I don't think we've seen anywhere near how good and how disruptive they can be. And the secondary, I mean, you know, we go back to, we're talking about that Carolina game and Alan Tisdale, the linebacker, having to play safety and, and they describe it as, hey, just cover the tight end and go with them like the way you, you play in the schoolyard. I think with the pieces in place, pretty good might be selling them short. And I just think, you know, this was a, a unit that's development was stunted by missing spring. Its development was stunted uh, by a disjointed fall. Its development was stunted by guys in and out of the lineup. If you can put all of that behind it, I think Virginia Tech can be really good on that side of the ball. Now, <laughs> I say that 
a, a week or a few days, I guess, after watching that defense allow Louisville to just storm back into a game that it looked like Tech had had put away comfortably. David, Hokie's out to a 21 nothing lead, and yet it comes down to the end. So why don't we start with what went right early? Hendon Hooker and the offense are what went right early. And really, for, for much of the game, Mike... You know, Virginia Tech has been the ACC's most run-heavy offense all season, but Saturday took it to new extremes. 51 rushes, 10 passes, and oh, by the way, none of those 10 passes hit the ground. Hendon Hooker goes 10 for 10 for like a buck 80. He also runs for three touchdowns and threw an 11th pass that doesn't count in the stats, and that was a two-point conversion that Trey Turner caught. So really, he was a, he was 11 for 11, if you want to look at it that way. So they, I thought the offense was really good. Khalil Herbert back over 100 yards after a one-week absence, so that's 500-yard games for him in, uh, in six outings. And then you come back to the last play of the first half. I mean, it's a give-up play. Louisville just wants to run the clock out. They're on their own 10, and they run JV and Hawkins up the middle. And next thing you know, he's gone. And and Justin Wente said after the game, he says, I've never seen anything like it. But what was really impressive to me was what happened at the start of the third quarter. Virginia Tech comes out. Gets the opening kickoff, first play, gives up a sack. And you're thinking, rut row, second and 17. They're behind the chains. And Hooker throws a really nice ball to James Mitchell down the seam for 24 yards and a first down. Thought that was that sequence right there was huge. Now, you were there. I was only watching on a, a Hulu password that I stole from my brother in law. Um, I want to know, was this a case of Louisville didn't respect the run so Tech could run it 51 times? Did Louisville stack the box and Tech said, I don't care, we're going to run it 51 times? What led to play calling, looking out there and saying, this is another moment to just keep running it? I think a large part of the answer, Mike, is (laughs) COVID-19. Seriously. Louisville was out was without six defensive linemen, including a couple of starters, to the point where Scott Satterfield said this week that they thought pretty hard about whether to pack it in and say, let's try to reschedule this. I mean, it, apparently these tests came back later in the week, and the Cardinals are going to be similarly shorthanded Saturday night in Charlottesville. So I think that was part of it. You know, Virginia Tech figured out early that it could run and then just said, not going to stop. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a little more into that Louisville situation when we talk about the UVA game. Sticking with this, this Tech offense, I think the nation saw Virginia Tech wins completing just 10 passes and thought, wow, that's not a very good passing attack. I think if you watch the game and you see 10 for 10 and, and some key throws at key spots, you thought, hey, that looks kind of promising throwing the football. So, David, what, what is your takeaway or your assessment of where is Hendon Hooker? Where is this passing game right now? Is is 10 for 10 uh, a positive sign going forward, <laughs> or is 10 pass attempts at a game a sign that uh, the Hokies aren't aren't willing to, to put it that way? No, I I think the Hokies are willing to throw it as, as much as they can. And, and most importantly, I think Justin Fuente trusts Hendon Hooker implicitly. Yeah, he had a bad game at Wake. But 
when Fuente was asked after the, the, the Louisville win to kind of assess Hooker, he said, guys, this is how he has played for the most part since we named him the starter. Yeah, he had the one bad game last week, but this is more like the Hendon Hooker we know. Now, is he gonna? He's not gonna go ten for ten every week, and he's not gonna average eighteen yards of completion every week. But I think what you can depend on Hooker for is efficiency, and if he is efficient and that run game continues to thrive, I think that offense is a load. Yeah, that is that is the key point here, is this is an offense right now that is built around running the football with Khalil Herbert, running the football with Hendon Hooker. Every defense knows it. Defenses can't seem to stop it or slow it down. And as they try to find ways to stop it and slow it down, there are opportunities in the passing game. And to your point, to Justin Fuente's point, I think that Hendon Hooker has shown us he is ready, willing, and able to take advantages of those opportunities in the past game when they present themselves. Now, this week, it's a matchup with Liberty. Um, I'm fascinated. <laughs> Liberty's undefeated. They're nationally ranked. David, are they legit? No. <laughs> Mike, I mean, I think it's a great story. And as Hugh Freeze talked about this week, they, they ought to cut out the newspaper clippings and frame them. But Louisville's played, or Louisville, Liberty has played six teams. Combined record, four and 28. Mm. I mean, I don't vote in the AP poll, but rest assured, I would not have voted for them. And now what's fascinating about them to me is they do have this game on the schedule. And if they win this game, I, I think we instantly flip because I do think sometimes unfairly when teams quote unquote haven't played anybody, we jump to the conclusion that they can't play anybody, that they can't beat anybody. Maybe they just haven't had the chance yet to show it. Now, I don't think that's the case here. Right? I, I do think that Liberty's uh, success is a product of, of who they've played. Uh, I, I think they've done some nice things. I think they have some nice skill players. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think it goes up in smoke for them this week. But but that being said, I, I think there is a mystery um, to them still until they play this game. Um, I think there's a mystery that makes it intriguing. Oh, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I'm, I'm fascinated by the, by the matchup as well. And it's one thing that's not a mystery, at least to Fuente, is Willis <laughs> and Liberty's quarterback, who the Hokies had in camp and had a commitment from before he signed with Auburn. I cannot wait to see that matchup. And part of the reason, and, and this is completely unfair, for years, the criticism, if there was a criticism, of Bud Foster's defense was it always seemed to struggle with those really mobile quarterbacks, with those guys who could design run, who could scramble. Malik Willis is that guy. And yes, uh, to hear Justin Fuente talk about, you know, he, he basically said he's a guy who could play anywhere. He's a guy who could do anything. And uh, Justin didn't remember exactly the roster scenario that, that led to uh, – you know, him not being the, the targeted quarterback for the Hokies, but um, they're very aware of his skill set. And it will be interesting to me to see if Justin Hamilton has a slightly different X's and O's approach. Bud Foster was a legend. He was as good a defensive coordinator as was in the game. His teams, even when they struggled with running quarterbacks, often were victorious. So it, it's not like this was uh, the Achilles heel necessarily, but it was a, an attackable part of the Bud Foster defense, if you could have a mobile quarterback. It's an attackable part of a lot of defenses. 
I'll be very curious what adjustments Justin Hamilton makes in that matchup on Saturday. Well, and they just came off a game, Mike, where they played Malik Cunningham, Mm -hmm. who's a very mobile guy and who gave them fits. And then here comes Malik Willis from Liberty. And oh, by the way, the following week, then comes De'Ara King (laughs) and and Miami. So they better get accustomed to chasing the quarterback around because they're going to have to. Yeah, one of our colleagues on the on the call made that point uh, the other day that hey, maybe it helps that <laughs> you know you get in that mindset of you've got a quarterback who can take off. Well, you can stay in that mindset here for a couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, it'll be fascinating. And and again, I, I think we both lean towards thinking that this is uh, more of a mismatch and and that the <laughs> the undefeated and the rank number maybe uh, is a little bit misleading. But again, a lot of mystery, a lot of intrigue, and um, one I'll be curious to see how it plays out now. We spent a lot of time today already talking about the Hokies, but it was actually Virginia. UVA had the big upset of a ranked team this past weekend. Uh, it beat then number 15, North Carolina. I was there at Scott Stadium for this one. I, I took off the Batman costume and mm. put on my COVID mask and um, after the mask swap, headed over to cover. The offense, I thought, was outstanding. The defense made enough plays to win, which again, like we said with Tech and Hamilton, I, I think that's got to be the the standard by which you judge teams this season. David, this team had a really tough early schedule. When you look at games with Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, I think Wake Forest has proven to be better than, than we realized. They're through that stretch. Maybe they didn't come through it with flying colors, but it's behind them. And I asked Bronco Mendenhall about that. We, we really didn't acknowledge the beginning being tougher or easier. Um and again, I keep using the word parody, but that's how I see it. I, I've seen all the teams that we've played on film, and I see, I've seen all the teams we're going to play. And I really just don't see much difference. And like if you watched them, you wouldn't know. Sometimes I scroll to the end to see what the score was because I like when I'm watching it, I, it's like, who's going to win this? And so I just I think it's a trap to, to consider, man, we've played all the good teams or we've had these really hard stretch. David, is that just coach speak? Did, did UVA put the hardest part of its schedule behind it, or is this just going to be a, a year of challenges for this team? Well, it will be a year of challenges, Mike, but there's no question that the bulk of the schedule, the, dip, the heavy lifting has been done. And I don't think the Cavaliers are going to lose between now and the Commonwealth Cup. I, I really don't. I like them this week against Louisville. Then comes Abilene Christian. Then comes Florida State. I've I've got <laughs> I've got no doubts that Virginia can go to Tallahassee and win. And then comes an incredibly intriguing December five home game against Boston College because Jeff Halfley's crew, as it showed at Clemson last week, you know they they, they can play. They're better than the team we saw in Lane Stadium early in the season. But I, I think Virginia's got a puncher's chance of being six and four going to Blacksburg. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And in, in defense of Bronco, it would be silly for him to say, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got through the hard part. It's a cakewalk now. That's not the message you want your team to have. But I do think that there is an element of what you just said that should be um prevalent or talked about and I was going to say in the UVA locker room they don't go there anymore but this team should have 
optimism and reason for hope in that, hey, they survived the tough part. Now, again, it could have been better. It could have been worse. But I think the the metric by which we judge every program in the country this year, maybe every year, but particularly this year, uh, should be the, are you improving? And, and UVA seems like um, it's improving. It seems like some of these matchups are helping. We're seeing Charles Snowden really David, round back into form. A year ago, there were times when he was so disruptive, it didn't seem like opposing offenses could do anything they wanted to do because he was coming up and stopping the run. He was rushing the passer. He was deflecting passes. He's getting back to being that kind of disruptive force, isn't he? Oh, he absolutely is. Yeah, he have three sacks in the first quarter? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's that's called being disruptive, and then had then had the strip play, in 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 the second half. No, he was he was the ACC linebacker of the week for for good reason. He is absolutely rounding in the form, and uh, I know they're going to miss Richard Burney, whom they whom they missed in the in the Carolina game, and now that Bronco has announced that that Burney is is done for the season. But it, you know, if they can ever get healthy at safety, oh. which which they're still not then you know you know, we talked earlier can virginia tech's defense be pretty good well i think uva's defense can be pretty darn good if they get healthy in the back end yeah i think we came into this year thinking the defense could be great for them that that would be what carried them that that brendan armstrong and the offense we didn't know exactly what they'd get now one more just numerically on, on snowden i wanted to share this he had 22 tackles and just one of them for loss he didn't have a sack in the first four games for UVA. That was when Bronco and Nick Howell, the defense coordinator, started talking about he's steady, he's playing, but he's not impactful. The last two games, 18 tackles, seven and a half for losses, and five sacks. And Bronco Menhall said that that's what this team needs. And uh, yeah, I think that's a huge difference. I think if they can get those safeties back, that's going to make a huge difference. But David, I did think this was going to be all defense and who knows what you get from offense. That offense looked pretty good against Louisville, uh, against uh, North Carolina on Saturday. Yeah, and and you know, hello Shane Simpson. Yes, right. I, I I was like, hey now, haven't haven't seen that. And wow, the Towson transfer. That you know, he, I think he looms very large for for the rest of the season. We still haven't seen Ronnie Walker, right? Yeah, and Ronnie Walker is supposed to be available this weekend. Uh, and Simpson, it's a great point. And I don't know, I don't know this. I'm speculating or, or flat out making this up. But I do wonder if the return of Walker kind of spurred Simpson a little. <laughs> you know, like, hey, those could be my carries going somewhere else. I mean, he he is a threat out of the backfield. He has a more uh, of an explosive pop. Then Wayne Talapapa, who's a very good back, very good around the goal line and short yardage, I think. Um, but Simpson brings a pop to the offense that they need. Armstrong is tough as nails. And, you know, this this team won a shootout with North Carolina. And two, three, four weeks ago, if you had said, hey, the Virginia-Carolina game is going to have to be a shootout for Virginia to win, I would have bet all my money saying they couldn't do it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And then... You know, a, a big part of that offense now is the versatility of Keaton Thompson mm-hmm. and Mike. Everybody, you guys in the stadium, me and the rest of the television viewers, we all knew they were faking that punt. <laughs> and so, by the way, did the Tar Heels 
And Keaton Thompson saved Bronco Mendenhall's backside because that play is stuffed. And then he just, through instincts and athleticism, reverses field and somehow makes a first down. And if he doesn't do that, is there any doubt that Carolina takes over and goes in for the winning touchdown? Yeah, it, it, that was such a fascinating call, and I'm glad you bring it up. What's interesting to me is you're right. I think if Virginia gives back the ball, they probably lose. If Virginia fakes it and doesn't pick it up, they almost definitely lose. I think Bronco had to make the bold call, but he said something interesting when he explained it. Um, yeah, he said, you know, I, after all of that battle, I didn't want to be passive, and I get that. But he also said, I believed in the fake. He believed in the play but I believed in the player, meaning Keaton Thompson. And that's really, David, to your point, what it came down to because Keaton Thompson told us yesterday they lined up to to fake the punt and here comes the defense pointing at him and yelling, it's a fake, that's a quarterback. Carolina knew it. And I asked Keaton Thompson, I said, hey, did you have the option of checking out of that, of of, of saying, hey, they know what's coming, forget it. And, And he said, changing the play wasn't an option. Uh, and I don't think he's talking about procedure. I think he's talking about that football team needed to fake that punt and pick it up. And, and you know, man on man is, is how he got it done. Uh, he's been a great story. And it, it, what could have been a sad story, right? Because he transferred his dream here to, to win the starting quarterback job. There was going to be a competition by all accounts. He was pushing Brennan Armstrong. Then he suffers the shoulder injury. And I don't think it would have been unreasonable or, or you know, unusual for him to sort of pack it in at that point. Say, okay, I, I came here, I got hurt, I'll shut it down, maybe we'll see what next year brings. But he really dedicated himself to contributing in other ways, and David, he has contributed in a lot of other ways. Absolutely. You know, Wildcat, receiver, uh, and backup, you know, he's thrown some passes, and he is he is very versatile, and Bronco Mendenhall raved about him yesterday. You know, I asked him because when you recruit a graduate transfer, it's such a condensed window. You, you don't have the time to really explore a, a young man's background and what type of player he is in the locker room and all that when you're dealing with a graduate transfer. But somehow Virginia and Coach Mendenhall decided, yep, this young man is a fit. And even if he doesn't beat out Brendan Armstrong, we, we believe in him, and it sh- they, they sure were right. Yeah, they, they talk about his impact on the team's culture the way they talked about Bryce Perkins' impact on the team's culture. Bryce Perkins was a two-year starter who transformed the program. Keaton Thompson is a, a backup quarterback slash kind of weapon. That speaks volumes of, of his presence on this team. Now, from Carolina, they go to Louisville, so it's another great offense. Louisville visits Scott Stadium on Saturday night. David, you just saw the Cardinals. You saw their big playability. You saw their running game. What do you make of this matchup? Well, Mike, I, I think Louisville will probably hit some big plays. Now, will they be 80-plus and to the house? That's what Virginia really needs to avoid. But I, I certainly think that Virginia can do some damage to, to Louisville's defense. And I feel badly for the Cardinals because after getting gashed early in the season, played great defensively against Notre Dame in a, in a 12-7 to loss in South Bend, 
you know, and, and then they play Florida State and absolutely rock the Seminoles. So you think entering the game against Virginia Tech, hey, you know, that may, maybe they got a little bit of a defense to go with that offense and then, you know, bang, COVID hits. And that's just 2020. And they're going to be shorthanded again Saturday. So I, I really like Virginia's chances. David, I think, you know, if you're into labels, Louisville to me was the disappointment of the year early on. Then they kind of looked like maybe they were going to be the redemption story mm-hmm. or the turnaround story of the year. Right. Then they slipped back to being disappointing. And, and you're right, certainly the, the lineup, the players being out, that's a huge part of it. What can Virginia do offensively, assuming that Louisville is short again, thin again on that defensive line? Pound, pound, pound the ground game. And just, you know, and and Mendenhall loves time of possession. You you look at Virginia stats since he arrived in Charlottesville, and the Cavaliers are some serious ball hogs. And I think it would serve them quite well to have that Louisville offense sitting on the opposite sideline for as much of the game as possible. So I, I think we'll see more Simpson. You mentioned how good Talapapa is in short yardage. You know, if they can get into third and three, third and one, you know, that's that's right up their alley. And, and that's where Armstrong is really good too. Yeah, this is a, a great ball possession team. I think it's rounding into being a good defensive team. Then you've got Louisville with the offense. So different styles, and, and I guess if you're a better, uh, where are you going to go with the with the over-under on this one? And <laughs> I, I think that's a good question. And speaking of betting, that brings us to our new segment. Joining us now, as he does each week this football season, is Roanoke Times columnist Aaron McFarling for his weekly segment, Amax Puppy Chow. Aaron, he'll give us his best bet in the ACC, an upset special from somewhere across the land, and maybe we'll get him to weigh in on Tech and UVA as well. Maybe another big game in the conference. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Hey, if you'll excuse me, I'm counting my money right now after last yes, week. Sir. I tell you what, five and zero on the public picks, including the ones you do in the paper. Um, now, I think this. That week was the second most important week if you're going to do something like this because when you start out, you, you know, if you lose them all, everyone's just going to say, well, forget that guy. But the most important week is this week because they anybody who listened last week might actually put some money on some picks this week. So you got to be on point this week. So I've been doing a lot of research and hopefully we'll come through again here. <laughs> you, you sound like a football coach telling me each week is the most important week. That's right. Got to go 1-0. and 1-0 against the spread. That's right. That's what I like to hear. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to the chow, shall we? Do you have a upset that you love this week? I do. Uh, it's all military here. Air Force at Army. Air Force is catching five and a half. They're one and two. Army's six and one. So you look at that and you say, well, Army should be able to score, you know, enough to win by a touchdown. But you dig a little deeper into it. This is two of the top three rushing offenses in the country. This game might last two hours. Seriously, this is, it starts at 1130 on Saturday and you could be done by 130 mowing your lawn or, or raking leaves or whatever. The reason I like this Air Force Nine and one against the spread in their last ten meetings at West Point. I mean, they just play very well there. I think they'll have plenty of confidence going in there. The underdogs four and zero against the spread in the last four meetings between these two teams. The road team is four and zero in the last four meetings against, against these teams. Um, it just feels like it's going to be a slobber knocker type of uh, low scoring game, and I like Air Force to not only 
cover the five and a half, but also get out of there with a win, 20 to 17. Aaron, speaking of five and a half, that's the exact number that I see on the board right now for Clemson Notre Dame. Got a feel for that game? I like Clemson. You know, these teams are uh, obviously 13 and 0 uh, overall combined. But uh, they've only won. They've only covered four times combined. Each team's covered twice, so they've been a little disappointing for betters. Um, but I think this is the week with with Lawrence out. I mean, I think they're going to just lean heavily on ETN. They know they're going to have to play much better defense than they did last week, and they're more than capable of doing so. Uh, I think they're going to win this game comfortably by about seventeen points. I, I like Clemson here. Wow, on that DJ Ui Ungalale train. <laughs> I'm impressed. I don't know if I could do that one. I've I've been working on that in preparation for the podcast. I had to break it out early, man. Yeah, I I practiced and I failed. My voice-to-text translated it as oogie-boogie ukulele the first time I gave it a shot. So I don't don't think I'm doing well. Aaron, how about about a best bet in the ACC? You know, I'm going to go against UNC again here. I'm fading UNC again. I'm going to take Duke in the 10 and a half. You know, Duke's covered in three of its last – Four games. I mean, they're 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 trending in the right direction. I think the underdog is six and two in the last eight meetings between these two teams. And here's a here's a fun fact: UNC is yet to cover the spread on the road. And I know they only have to go about ten miles for this game. Uh, it's not an arduous road trip, but for some reason this season, as Teal masterfully pointed out and got me a whole column out of it uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, the home teams. It didn't really happen this past weekend, but home teams have been doing great in the ACC, and I think. Uh, coming off that you know decisive win over Charlotte, you know where they got some offense going, uh, I feel like they can score enough to keep this one within a single digit loss. I think they'll probably still lose, but I, I you know I don't I, I like I said last week I think UNC's flattened out some, and and I don't I don't see them you know playing enough defense uh, to to really uh, win as decisively as they need to to cash a bet here. Finally, let's take a look at the two Commonwealth clubs. Uh, do you like either of them this week? Uh, we talked about Tech's line. We talked about UVA's line. What do you see there? I think these are really good lines in terms of, uh, you know, the odds makers did a good job with them, I think. I mean, I I see about a 13-point victory for Virginia Tech, which would uh, make a Liberty cover by a point and a half at right now, but check back in a couple of days, and who knows, that line could fluctuate one way or the other. And, um, I, I just – I feel like Tech's going to control the line of scrimmage. You know, I think you know. Just look at the recruiting bases of both teams. Uh, Tech's got better players, but Liberty has all sorts of confidence for a good reason. They're in the poll for the first time. But I mean, if you listen to some of those quotes from their coach this week, I mean, it sounds like he's very, very happy to to uh, kind of frame this 20, top twenty-five moment because he knows it might not last, and I don't think it will after this week. I think Tech gets it done, forty to twenty-seven. What about UVA Louisville, eh, Mac? Virginia three point fave at home. I'm bullish on on UVA. I am. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I was last week. I was against Miami. Um, I, I feel like they're they're just as I said last week. I just think their best football is ahead of them. You know, they don't quit on Mendenhall. I know those are kind of uh, just kind of coach speak as we started the thing, but uh, I I believe in 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 what they do there, and uh, you know, I, I think Louisville. They're so boom or bust with their offense, and and I think Virginia is disciplined enough defensively to make enough plays on Cunningham to keep him contained. 
I see 35-30 Virginia. So, again, a very good spread there. Three three points is, a, is a right around where I think it's going to land, but I think Virginia gets it done. Aaron McFarling. So is that another another week of just going 1-0 for Aaron McFarling, <laughs> columnist for the Roanoke Times? That was Amax Puppy Chow. David, this weekend brings us the much-anticipated <laughs> game, the, the game of the, of the year on the ACC schedule, the one we've all been looking forward to uh, since the schedules, the, the final schedules, came out. League Power Clemson, five straight years, the ACC champion, uh, number one in the nation right now. They go to South Bend to, to play Notre Dame, that great defense. Clemson doesn't have its quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Before we break it down, how much are you looking forward to, to this game? Man, Mike, it might be the biggest regular season game in ACC history. By ranking, it is. Now, I, hey, look, I know Notre Dame's a rental. It's a, it's a, it's a 2020 thing, and come next season, the Fighting Irish will be independent again. But they are playing for an ACC championship this year, and they're in the standings. And these games count, and this game is going to count a lot to the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. You've got one versus two, combined record 13-0. and 0. I mean, I just – the ACC's never had a game like this. It, it really has not. It's had – Three other November meetings of undefeated teams, but never something like number one against number four. So, no, it, I cannot wait. No Trevor Lawrence. I get it. But, you know, DJ, ooh, oh, how, how are we going to do this? Uwe Ungalale. There we go. Hit it right on the right on the button. You know, for a true freshman, what do he throw for 325 mm -hmm. and three touchdowns against Boston College in his day, starting debut and nary an interception? David, you've been around the ACC a long time. You know the league as well as anybody. You've got such a good sense for the, the pulse of it. Who is the ACC rooting for here? They want Clemson, right? Their flag bearer to, to remain that way? Mike, I, I might say the ACC would kind of like to have Notre Dame win because Clemson would still make the ACC championship game and presumably with Trevor Lawrence win the ACC championship game and still make the college football playoff. But if Notre Dame wins Saturday and then just runs the table until Charlotte finishes the season 11-1, and one, could the ACC have two playoff teams? So you're spending too much time with Aaron McFarling. You're a gambler. <laughs> I, to, to me, because I, I get that scenario, and that's I say it this way, that's probably the dream scenario for the ACC. Mm -hmm. But it could quickly turn into kind of a nightmare scenario if Notre Dame and that defense then wins a second time in Charlotte with Lawrence back, and now Clemson is a, a two-loss team, not in the playoff, and the best team in the ACC. Well, it turns out, Notre Dame's better than the rest of the league, and then they go off back to independence. Uh, to me, the value of Notre Dame this year is for them to come into the league, to be really strong, to be one of the best teams in the nation, and to still not be as good as Clemson. To me, if, if you're the ACC, that's got to be, to me, what you're pulling for. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, how about a little more on, on this matchup? Because I have been impressed, I know you have too, with that Notre Dame defense. That's been the strength of this team. Um what do you like, and how does it match up specifically here with Clemson? It's a fascinating matchup because the Irish, Mike, are good at every level. I mean, up front, at linebacker, especially in the back end with Kyle Hamilton at safety. 
And you have to think that much like BC, they are going to load the box in an attempt to slow down Travis Etienne and the running game and make uh, DJ beat them through the air. So that, to me, is going to be the matchup of the day. Yeah, two interesting things when you look at this. Number one, uh, DJ's not a walk-on from the end of the bench that they had to pull up. This is a five-star, big-time recruit. This is the future of the quarterback position at National Power Clemson. Now, certainly not as polished at this point as Trevor Lawrence, uh, and certainly not the the offensive scheme that necessarily they had built around Lawrence isn't an exact fit for DJ, but this is a great and talented player. Second of all, is there anybody in the nation more underappreciated than Travis Etienne, when you think about the fact that he is a two-time ACC player of the year Mm -hmm. and Trevor Lawrence is the preseason player. Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback. You watch him and you see the difference. You say that's an NFL quarterback right there at Clemson. But Travis has been the best player in college football, really, (laughs) if, if you do it as a combined for the last three years. Do people sleep on him? And is this kind of his game or his moment to remind everybody, hey, this is where Clemson's bread is buttered? A, do people sleep on him? 100% they do. Because he's surrounded by so much talent. He's he's the ACC's career rushing leader, Mike. <laughs> and the record that he broke last week, Ted Brown's from NC State, had stood for more than 40 years. Just wasn't some recent deal. And him as a pass catcher, what did he have, a buck 40 mm. in receiving yards yep. against Boston College? We mentioned how BC stacked the box and, and Derek Clemson to beat him throwing the ball. Well, they beat him throwing it to Travis Etienne. Yes, sir. I mean, what an first of all, I think we're all stunned when he decided to come back. Yeah. For his, for his senior season. And how many of those Clemson guys have done that? Remember when the entire defensive line could have Absolutely. turned pro early? Including all, Cleveland Farrell. Farrell from, from, from Richmond, exactly. And Dexter Lawrence, mm-hmm. who you know, ends up being a four-time All-American at Clemson. So it's, it's very unusual and borderline remarkable that these young men decide to extend their careers at Clemson un, under Dabo. But yeah, I, I think people sleep on him, and, and maybe this is his moment. And if he has an extra large game, and all of a sudden, you know, he's in the conversation for every postseason award you can imagine. And that certainly includes the Heisman Trophy, and that, that brings us nicely to this week's Who You Got. Thank you, Mike. It is Who You Got. This one's easy. This one's super easy. It's the game we've all been waiting for. Number one, Clemson at number four, Notre Dame. Who you got? Let's start with Mike. Yeah, and and we just talked about Travis Etienne and what he can do. And David, you you mentioned there his ability to catch out of the backfield, not catch eight-yard dump passes, but catch an eight-yard dump pass and take it 70 yards to the house. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is the difference. I think Notre Dame's defense uh, is strong enough to stop and contain the traditional running game. But I think where Travis Etienne can't be stopped, they're going to find ways to get him the football. He is going to find ways to make plays. I'm anticipating a great game. I'm crushed. I'm not going to get to watch it because I'll be covering a game that night, but I will uh, have the DVR or whatever the the Hulu equivalent is um, so that I can record it. I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. 
I think Notre Dame's offense has more talent than maybe we realize. I think there'll be some big plays there. Um, It's got the feel of a college football playoff game. I love it. I love that we've gotten to November with this game meaning what we thought it would mean. I hate that Trevor Lawrence isn't in it, uh, but I think Travis Etienne, this is his moment, and I'm going to take Clemson in, in a competitive one. David, who you got? I agree with Mike. I, I think Clemson gets it done now. Guys, Clemson is banged up defensively, uh, especially in the middle, a defensive tackle and then a linebacker with Skowski out. I think Notre Dame's going to try to just run it, run it, run it. But I I was so impressed with how Uwe Ungalale just – they're down 18 points, and that kid did not panic – brought him back, led him to the win last week. Now he goes on the road at Notre Dame. And Mike, you, you know I'm a history buff and you know I like first. No ACC team has ever beaten a ranked Notre Dame team in South Bend. Ever. 0-22 all time. Clemson ends that Tigers win. What does it take to end that remarkable streak? Oh, just maybe the best program in the nation over the last four years, but it's going to be great. We're looking forward to it. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to Teal and Barber on Apple Podcasts by finding the RTD Podcast channel. And please consider supporting local journalism with an online subscription to the Times Dispatch. You can find special promotional offers available at richmond.com. Today's show was produced by Dean Hoffmeyer. Thank you to Aaron McFarlane for joining us for his weekly segment. Teal and Barber is a podcast of the Richmond Times-Dispatch and Richmond.com. For David Teal, I'm Mike Barber. Thanks for listening. Be healthy and safe, and please join David and me again next week.